Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. again everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the pro basketball talk podcast here at nbc sports uh, i am kurt healing managing editor of pro basketball talk with you as always and right now we're going to talk about the eastern conference and the eastern conference playoff structure and joining me to go down through all of the eastern conference is uh, dan feldman from here at nbc sports and dan right out of the bat i'm just giving you time vent about michigan not making the playoff I mean, they had their opportunities. I think they were one of the four best teams in the country. They didn't make it abundantly clear. Somebody, at least two teams, were going to get the short end this year. I'm okay with it. You're, this is this is relatively mild. I did not expect this from you. I, I Every year I watch this, though, and I think the same thing, which is, when do they get to eight? Because, you know, yes, we're going to argue about who's eight and who's nine, but I feel like it's less of a... Th- Michigan's the kind of team, when you look at their losses, that you're like, you could make an argument they could have run this thing. Look, there are six teams in the country this year that might be the best. It's probably Alabama, but this is the least yes. tested Alabama team we've seen in a while because the SEC was down. So there are six teams that have a legitimate case to be the best. If you have eight, you get all of them in, and then you can argue about which other two teams are going to be the lucky two, but at least that way you have all six that might be. I don't necessarily hate eight uh, but I'd prefer we pay the players before we we start adding games to their workload there is that there's that is a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day so we will actually move on to what we were supposed to discuss which is the the Eastern Conference of the NBA last week with James Ham we kind of ran through the Western Conference talked a lot about the Kings but ran through the playoffs in the in the and how things are shaking out 20 games into the season now that we kind of have a real feel for how things are going and Let's look at this in the Eastern Conference. Cleveland Cavaliers are on top. I, look, they're in. I don't think we're questioning that they're going to be in. They have had a little slump with this mini three-game thing, but do you take this seriously at all, or do you just think it's a malaise? And... I thought we were going to move on, and you want to talk about the team that was just rubbing it in at, on the <laughs> sidelines about Michigan. Hey, they had to leave Ohio early. State. They weren't there for the final seconds. Yeah, I guess, I guess while they were there, it was going well. I, no, I don't think there's much to this. Honestly, I was a little surprised they came out of the gate with so much energy and so much focus to so the defending champs, and I thought they'd be in a little more of a cruise control mode. And I sort of see this as, okay, they came out, they played hard, uh, they did all the right things, and they proved that they were the class of the East. They know that now. There's no real doubt about it. 
And so they let up a little bit. If it's an extended thing longer than this where they start to get some bad habits, I'd be more concerned. Uh, but th- just for this short little stretch, I don't read much into it. Their defense has not been great this season. Certainly not consistent. They've, done, they've played good defense when they've had to. They're not consistent on that end. But I don't, again, I just don't, I hate teams that think they can flip the switch, but particularly in the Eastern Conference, I just, they can flip the switch. Like, I don't see who can challenge them. The one team that has played well, I think the one team that's established themselves now as the second best team in the East is Toronto. They've beaten up a soft part of the schedule. They've had their little run when they kept getting, any good team they had was without good players that night. That said, they've won their last six games, but I think it's like 138 points combined. They've looked good. They get the Cavaliers on Monday night, but... They look like the second best team in the East right now, and I there and I've always kind of thought that they would be in anyway. Yeah, I mean, before the year, I thought it would be between them and the Celtics, and it's absolutely been the Raptors so far. Their offense has been so good, and I wonder how much this is driving Dwayne Casey nuts because he really strikes me as a defense first coach. I think he believes he's a defense first coach, and the last few years, but especially this year, they've been an offense reliant team. And their defense is still middling. I'm sure it's not at the level he likes, but the offense is so good, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. I think that, that he's, you know, that's one of those where they've got some time to build the habits, but DeMar DeRozan has been nothing short of spectacular all season. And from there, right behind Toronto in those in the standings now are the Boston Celtics, who have, after a little bit of a slow start, kind of kind of started to bounce in there and play really well. They seem to be coming around, especially now that they're getting healthy. I mean, getting Al Horford back helps a lot it does when they're healthy they really played like for the most part the team i expected them to be but i also thought they would be better even with those injuries because they look so deep on paper i thought yeah. they'd be able to withstand that stuff a little more and so it's still a small sample with them healthy and without them healthy it's still a little bit more negative than i would have expected uh, so i'm not completely sure what to make of this team but i do no. think they're at least starting to round into the form we expected preseason they are, but I, and I'm going to add this to the mix. Their last six wins against teams below 500. If, if again, it's just hard to make that judgment. They've got some games coming up where they're going to. We get a little better test. Look, they're going to be a good team. We kind of expected them to make the playoffs. And to their credit, look, if you're playing bad teams, you got to beat bad teams. Same with Toronto. Look, hey, you're beating bad teams. Good. That's what you've got to do if you're a good team. So you know you can't chalk that up too much against them. But I'm also not reading completely into the. They found it type of, of spot yet. I, I need to see that proven to me a little a little more than I've actually seen it so far. But they're, you know, 12 and 8. That's a third seed in the East. They're in a good spot. The fourth seed is the Bulls, who have, who have slipped a little uh, from a kind of hot start a few weeks ago, but they remain the team in the East much better than we expected. Yeah, and I guess I got to take a little bit of comfort in that their three-point shooting has really dropped off and become less of a thing because they started the season red hot it's like wow who is this team now we have a sense of who they are and i think what they are basically is near uh the best case scenario for what we thought they could have been in the regular season what they were early with the three-point shooting that wasn't even on the radar that wasn't even something under consideration now they're a nice balanced team that plays hard that has has a bunch of veterans that know how to play and make it work exactly and they, you know, they are doing some other things. Look, they they had they lost to the Mavs last week. They lost to the Lakers. They've had some ugly losses to go around their wins. Um, if you had the under on twenty games with Rajon Rondo getting suspended, uh, you, you you actually I guess lose. I guess they're kind of right at twenty games. But we'll see if that becomes a long term problem or if that's just you know if if 
I think it's going to be a slightly different situation than he's had in the past, just or or more like some older situations. Just Wade isn't going to allow this to go on. Like Wade is enough of a locker room leader that that Rondo will not become that big a distraction. I mean, but didn't we used to think like, wow, well, Rick Carlisle's a good enough coach that that yeah. Rondo and he will make, find a way to make it work. That well, Rondo's the team leader now. Before he was, the problem was that they didn't ask enough of him. He'll be the one to rally. George Carl and DeMarcus Cousins together. We keep rationalizing this, and I just think, you know, Rondo can be kind of difficult at times, and when he's not playing well, it's worse and harder to, to deal with. Exactly. So the Bulls are in there. Then it gets into the teams that I think it... Now we're getting into the teams where I think it just really gets interesting in the Eastern Conference. The five seed as we speak, the Milwaukee Bucks at 10-8. and eight. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo has been... You know that he leads the league in points scored in the paint at 14 a game. Wow. More than Anthony Davis, more than DeMarcus Cousins, more than anything. The guy doesn't have much of a jumper, but he gets out and they run in transition and he can just get to the rim and finish as well. It's it's kind of a stunning stat, but he's been a blast to watch. They've been playing enough defense and getting enough out of the other guys so far to make it work, and they, they've strung together some a couple of good wins lately. I can't say enough good things about about Giannis. He's been awesome, and the rest of the supporting cast. I'd say overall with, has been give or take what we expected, right? I mean, yeah. John Henson's been pretty solid. Uh, Greg Monroe's rolls a little smaller than we thought, but give or take, the rest of the supporting cast has been about where at least where I thought. Uh, but it's just Giannis just taking this next step and a bigger step even more quickly than I expected. And Matthew Delavadova has been about what we thought. That works pretty well. It, you know, it's a decent combo because he can play off the ball. He can knock down the three. He can defend. He can do some point guard things, but you can just give the ball to Giannis, and he works well enough off of it, kind of like a, an old you know, Phil Jackson triangle point guard, like a Derek Fisher type of thing, where you didn't need him to be the ball handler. Every time down, he could do a little of it if you needed it. I, I think that that has worked out you know, about like we expected. I don't, you know, they, they overpaid him, sure, but it's been fine. Uh, Parker, I, I, Parker's been good. I, I thought Delhi and Giannis would actually be a little better together, have a little better chemistry than they've shown so far. It's been fine uh, and definitely good in spurts, but I still have some confidence that that's going to get even better. Yeah, well, so if they get if they get better and they can keep this up and and nobody can turn Giannis into a jump shooter yet, um, they're okay. They, you know, they, they're playing pretty well. You get to the sixth seed and it's Charlotte, who I. Boy, that's a team I... Look, Kemba Walker has been... all. If he's not on the All-Star team, we're doing it wrong. He's been flat-out phenomenal. Although, it's hard in the East with so many point guards. He's been flat-out phenomenal. He's just been great. But I still don't have a great feel for that team. I expected them to take a step back after losing Jeremy Lin and Courtney Lee and Al Jefferson. I just thought, yeah, that's too much. Even with MKG coming back and getting healthy, I just thought they were going to take a small step back. But Kemba Walker has replaced everything. Like, basically the difference between the Hornets last year to this year is the personnel they lost, plus MKG coming back, plus Kemba Walker just getting way better. He's carrying them offensively, and then Steve Clifford, his teams are going to defend well. Yeah. They have missed. Marvin Williams is out. You've got Kaminsky now starting, and that that has been a little bit of a step. They've had a... A rough week, and I don't think that's changing until they get Marvin Williams back. This isn't a team with a lot of depth, and I'm I'm just not the biggest Frank Kaminsky fan. So, so 
I just if you're starting him, I think that that's an exploitable matchup by a lot of teams that that's going to give them problems over the next few weeks, uh, or at least until Williams gets back. But then as soon as Williams comes back, I think this could be a, a team on the rise. I, I agree with you. There's a huge drop-off there. Yeah. New York Knicks. Uh, better than I expected probably at 10-9, and 9, although not – or 11-9, and 9, I should say. Not dramatically better, though, but they, they look like a potential playoff team. Derrick Rose has been okay. Noah has been a mess. Carmelo's been what we expected. I still want them to get the ball – like, they just look better to me when they're getting the ball more to Porzingis – but that doesn't seem to happen every night. No, but to their credit, it's happening a lot more, and that's why they've yeah. they risen in the standings. And it seems like, it seems, I don't want to give the Knicks too much credit because they never deserve too much credit, but it <laughs> seems they finally figured that out, that it's not an accident that he's gotten the ball more lately, that they really have realized, hey, he is now already their best player. Yeah. And if they act like that, they'll win more. You know, when I hesitated, the first week of the season or so, I casually said on a radio interview, that Porzingis was the best player on the Knicks, and, and the, the hosts kind of flipped out, like, better than Carmelo? And I kind of backtracked then. I'm like, well, maybe not better than Carmelo right now. Ask that same question. Porzingis is a better player than Carmelo right now. It, it's done. He has passed him. Yeah, and, and it usually doesn't go back. When a younger player passes no. an older player, it usually doesn't go back. No. Look, Carmelo can score. He's still going to get you points some nights, but you have... You've got to get the ball to Porzingis more. And the other thing that I like about them, by the way, the change of pace with Jennings off the bench. Uh, that team suddenly runs and gets up and down and is entertaining and plays with his energy. That's a that's a better situation. I, I'm fond of that situation. I mean, it, it's fun. It's definitely a fun situation. I really enjoy watching Jennings when he comes into yes. the game. Uh, but I think there's a bigger gap than people get credit for than how fun it is and how effective it is. He's, he's all right. He's a solid backup. But he's not doing anything special by any means is term, in terms of actual production, how much he's actually helping the team. But it is nice to have a, a genuinely solid backup. A lot of teams hemorrhage points in those situations. Now let's talk about the 500 teams for a second. Uh, which, again, these are the, now we're getting into, like, if Charlotte's an injury away from, you know, especially if it's Kemba, like, I don't think they can hold on and, and keep, stay in the playoffs. The Knicks are kind of a bu- are going to be a bubble team. Then you get into Indiana... I will admit up front, I thought they'd be better um, than they than they have been, and they've been banged up a little bit. You know, Paul George just got back, C.J. Miles just got back, but Jeff Teague has not worked out like I thought it would. This this just the whole thing hasn't come together outside of Miles Turner stepping up, uh, which I hoped for and expected. I, this team just isn't that good, and part of it is they're not. I thought there would be defensive remnants. I thought they would still play pretty good defense, and they don't. Not on a consistent basis. No, I mean I. I don't. I don't like to say I told you so. Actually, wait. I do love to say I told you. So. <laughs> I, I told you so. I, I was not a believer in this team. Uh, they might be even very slightly better than I expected, but right around the, the same range. I think George Hill's better than Jeff Teague. I think George Hill would have been better in Jeff Teague's role if the Pacers had asked him to do it. I don't know where you go from here uh, because maybe a little better chemistry between these new players will help a little bit. But I still really think that you got too many guys who need the ball in their hands. It's just not a good mix, and until you change the mix of players, your your ceiling is only so high. And I'm not sure that Nate McMillan is a guy who can coach them through that. With with, with Frank Vogel, there was the defensive identity. There really was the, hey, we can turn these guys into somebody who's a stopper on that end of the floor. That's not the case anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he'd be okay 
but Vogel, you know, was good and was doing a good job. The idea that that you have to change coaches every few years because the players get tired of listening to them when the rosters change more more frequently now than they did in Larry Bird's days. I, I just think they came about that from a flawed point of view, and so you're really we're just hoping to get a coach who was doing as well as Vogel. Didn't happen. Yeah. The other 500 team is one I expect to kind of trend the other direction. Uh, your Detroit Pistons, and I will call them your Detroit Pistons because you're, you're based out of Detroit, so I will give you that one. You, you, ran a, you run a Pistons block. They get Reggie Jackson back, and that you know, you, they didn't get the win the first night, but that should be huge once he kind of gets his legs under him. I would think so. I mean, their whole offense last year was based around the Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond pick and roll. What could be nice is that in his absence, it gave other players, uh, especially Contavious Caldwell-Pope, an opportunity to branch out offensively and do more things, and maybe they'll be more comfortable. Maybe the offense in the long run will be more diverse as a result of this. They kept their head above water. They were over 500 without Reggie Jackson. Uh, it looked pretty ugly at one point, and they surged to the finish, and you know now I think it's really a new, refreshing season for the Pistons. And we said this going in. The deal with the Pistons was they had to find a way to keep their head above water till he got back. Well, but they were above 500. I mean, and they're a 500 team now. That's that's keeping your head above water before you get your your arguably second best player back, and now you can start to really put string together some wins. You know, this is this should be a playoff team to me. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, a big difference. Everybody's still bunched together in that range, uh, so there is room to move up. And the problem is, there might be a little room to move down in the short term, just as everybody gets accustomed to Reggie Jackson, uh, and so that could take a little while. There might be a little bit of a dip before they surge up. All right, the other team that now is tipped below 500 and and maybe like one of the coldest teams in the NBA right now. I mean, like statistically, their last 10, 11 games, the Atlanta Hawks have been awful, just awful. And it's it's strange because the it's offense on that team has just they're not sharing the ball. They don't look the early in the season they were moving the balls and they were Spurs like that has just gone away and it's really strange. Yeah, I, you know I was. I was surprised they were so good early. I'm surprised they're so bad late. This might be the team in the league I'm having the, the toughest time reading. I don't want to pin all the blame on him, uh, but the player I keep coming back to is Dennis Schroeder. It really seems yeah. like he's not holding up his end of the bargain uh, in his first year as the, the full-time starter. And, and you know they're just having some problems with him, and it seems like the rest of the lineup is doing a pretty decent job uh, if he could be just a little better. Yeah, it's... He's pounding the ball a little too much, and then that starts to just stymie that whole ball flow offense that they're kind of relying on. It's, it's been unfortunate because I, this team with you know Dwight Howard early on, you're like, wow, look at this. And but they were Howard was accepting the role, everything was going smoothly, and I don't think this is on Howard so much as like you said, the ball movement around him just isn't the same, and suddenly the defense can't cover it, and they're they're losing games at a fast rate, and they need to. They're going to need to look. They're still not out of the playoff mix. They're eleven and ten. They're, they're just a game below five hundred. But they're going to have to find that groove again at some point and climb back over some teams that are playing well and and start you know like Detroit, who we expect to play better, and the Knicks, you know, have played well. They're going to have to climb over some of these teams now to get back into it. I think it's worth noting too that Paul Millsap, their best player, has yes. been hurt for a few games, and so that has turned maybe what has been just a regular slump into what looks like a much more serious slump. The other team that's really surprised me of late, Orlando. We knew they could defend. We kind of expected going into the season. It took them a little while to find that, 
they're defending really well right now, and they've put together a nice little run. They're nine and twelve. They're not quite a playoff team, but you couldn't look at them right now and say they couldn't make it. They couldn't get together a little, a little spurt. No, that that's a good way to put it. They have after a pretty ugly start. They at least gotten within striking distance, and like you said, it's defense. I don't know what they do offensively though, because I don't think their defense is good enough to prop up what is a really bad offense with so yeah. little spacing and too many big players. And that's yeah. just the roster they have. They've I don't, got to I make don't know some what moves. they do about yeah. that. Yeah, this is more a Hennigan problem than a Vogel problem right now. It, it's yes. and, and the problems don't get easier. Remember, Serge Ibaka is a free you know is a free agent this summer. How much do you really want to pay to keep him around? Although he's had some really nice games for them lately, but if you're keeping him, then you've got to move some. There's other bigs that on that roster who have to be moved to, just to make way and and get some of the pieces that you kind of need. It's it's an awkward. We talked about other teams like that have awkward fits when the roster Indiana's that way. This is a team with a really awkward fit right now. The one thing that I find really interesting with them is that they're bringing Alfred Payton off the bench. Because if you remember, yes. that was a big point of contention between Scott Skiles and the front office of what what Alfred Payton's future is. Can I give him a reduced role? Because I think that'll help us win now. And the front office wanted to have a bigger role because they still believed in him. Does, has the front office's belief in him changed? Does Frank Vogel just have more latitude? Is this yes. causing a problem? Is there a division? You know, I think it's been good for them. I think DJ Augustine is a little bit more offensively capable. And yeah, yeah, there's a defensive drop. But with what that front court can do to cover up mistakes, I think you tolerate that drop. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point there with with Peyton coming off the bench because that was a big Scott Skiles thing. That not that look, not that I don't mind. I don't mind the Vogel for Skiles swap. But part of the problem with Skiles was he didn't want Peyton having as much role, and and the front office did. I'm getting the sense that, you know, it's one of those things where, hey, one of your friends tells you something and you, you didn't want to hear and you semi-blow it off, but suddenly two or three do and, you know, hey, second coach comes in and goes, dude, I can't play Peyton. <laughs> I can't start Peyton. Yeah. I'm going to start DJ Augustine. And now you got to listen. And that's a, they invested a lot in, in going that direction. So we'll, we'll, again, I think Peyton's a fine backup point guard in the NBA. I just don't think he runs the show well enough. And that's a position now that they've got to look to fill. There are point guards out there. And by the way, point guard heavy draft. Point, just a draft loaded with, with good point guards coming in. But what's their move going to be as we move toward the trade deadline? Because is Hennigan going to be able to draft somebody if the team struggles and is in position to draft somebody? Or is that going to be the next guy's job? Is he going to make some type of desperation play because like we said they are within striking distance it's not inconceivable that they could make the playoffs and making the playoffs would probably save his job i don't know if he'd keep it if he misses the playoffs again uh, but i feel pretty good that if they make it he would keep his job oh i would think so um but we'll see i if they don't though I, they just it's an oddly constructed roster that now needs to be like they they he was one of those guys who acquired assets for a long time and and you know was best player best player available best player now you got to start turning in those pieces that in, into things that fit a little better. See, I, maybe this is just my perception difference, but I think they were trying to field good teams more than just acquire assets, but only acquired assets. Like I think there was a lot of failure in team building. That wasn't like what Philadelphia was doing, where they knew what they were getting into. I, I think there were some bigger problems where they thought just acquiring assets, or maybe they thought they weren't just acquiring assets, and it obviously didn't translate no. to winning. No, exactly. Maybe I, 
there was also a pressure there just because uh, the 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 Voss, the owner, is older. Um, his family is running the show, but they they didn't want to rebuild situations. So, um, and at least that's, that, that was the rumor. In, in a year with a point guard heavy draft, and you're just you might be just too good to get one, and still bad enough to miss the playoffs. Yeah, there, there you Congratulations. go. Congratulations. <laughs> um, Miami Heat talk about uh, a point guard driven team right now. There's no team that actually drives more from the point guard position. That, uh, you get more drives out. It's like 15 point something a game from Goran Dragic. He actually drives, t- as counted by the NBA, which starts like more than 20 feet out and goes in far, uh, than any other player in the NBA right now. He does. He's not scoring on them terribly efficiently, though, and that's part of the problem in Miami. Yeah, I mean, it's Hassan Whiteside and everybody else. Whiteside's having yeah. an awesome season. Yeah, Whiteside's been uh, great. Should be an all-star. It's just his supporting cast has been kind of, and Goran Dragic, you know, he, he might be the best of them. He also might be the most disappointing because he's not he's definitely not playing like a co star no. or anything like that. And so you got you got some feisty players, some guys stepping up. James Johnson has had his moments. Tyler Johnson's had his moments. Uh Rodney Magruder has kind of come out of nowhere and providing some nice minutes at times. Uh but those guys are all underwhelming and it's just not enough around Whiteside. No, and they're also, this is another team battling some injuries. Justice Winslow's missed a bunch of time and some other guys. So, um, and, and they just didn't have the depth to make up for it. Bradley Beal is actually playing pretty well in Washington, so that that's one. <laughs> that they're 6-12, and 12 and you just you watch them, and they're just not a playoff team. And it, Scott Brooks can't seem to, to turn this around. And, and you got to think this is bad, a bad thing if you're Ernie Grunfeld, because ultimately this has got to come back to him and how this roster is constructed. I think this was the team I was the most wrong on. I thought they'd be a, a middle-of-the-pack playoff team. Yeah. About the fifth seed, I think, is what I gave them. and Obviously not even close. Uh, Otto Porter's been nice. I don't think John Wall's had a huge drop. Really, if you want to point the finger at one person, it's Marquise Morris. Uh, they played so well with him after the trade deadline. That's why I thought they'd have something going this year. That, okay, they traded him for, for him too late last season. It was too little, too late. They were already too far out of it. But they look like a good team. Now, Marquise Morris really isn't giving them anything, and their bench is giving them even less. Yeah, the, arguably the worst bench in the NBA. And and by the way, arguing the worst bench in the A point for you would be Marcin Gortat, who thinks they're awful. So, <laughs> it's... And then you get to the end, and obviously uh, Brooklyn and Philadelphia aren't making the playoffs, although Philadelphia is better than... Um, certainly better than they were last year, more competitive. And actually, not a bad team when they can keep Joel Embiid on the floor. It's just, you know, he's on that minutes limit and he's not going to play back-to-backs a lot and they're understandably going slow with him. They have a good defense and they're a decent team when he's on the floor. So there's hope. They also get Nerland's Noel back and I don't know if that's going to be good for their record right now because you can't just bench them. No, uh, you've got to showcase going him. To turn, right. But I think that's going to turn some of those Embiid minutes when they share the court. I think those are going to be worse for the team uh, because it's just tough to play two bigs. And this is, this roster was not built to win until this summer. And you can't just build a roster to win in one year when you spend so many years with other goals in mind. Exactly. They're not going to turn it around. We didn't expect them to make the playoffs, but they, they are making strides. If you're a Philly fan, there's at least reason for hope. So you look at this now. Who do you think slides out? Who do you think slides in as the playoffs? Assume, let's assume Cleveland, Toronto, Boston are kind of in. I think Chicago's probably in for sure. That's four. I'd probably go Milwaukee, Charlotte, Detroit, and I'm going to take the Knicks and figure that 
Atlanta can't climb back, but they might be able to. And I don't, and that's leaving the Pacers out, who I thought were going to be much better than this. Yeah, I guess I'm not as confident in the Bulls as you are because they're an older team. They, yeah. they slipped last year out of it late. I do think they'll make it. If I'm picking eight right now, I'm going to take them. But they are definitely not, to me, the locks that I think you think they are. I think we have the t- same seven. I'll And we're also down to the final, same final two teams. I'll take the Hawks over the Knicks. It's just hard for me to trust that the Knicks won't find a way to screw this up. I, I like how the Hawks played early. I think they have a clear, identifiable problem. And it's somebody who's in his first year starting. Yeah. I think Schroeder will get better over time. And I think Paul Millsap getting healthy will help. Uh, so I guess I'll take the Hawks over the Knicks for that last spot. But otherwise, I'm in agreement. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to the Monday night game between Cleveland and Toronto. Not that I think that that tells me who's going to win a seven-game series between those teams. Because I know who's going to win a seven-game series between those <laughs> Um, but I think as a midseason kind of like where things stand benchmark, those kind of you get those games occasionally where you're like, well, let's see. And I, I there's a few of those coming up. The Clippers have been up and down. They get Golden State this week. It's like, have they really put it together or, or was the team that lost to the Pacers this week and had those ugly losses on the road? Are, are we going to see more of that Clipper team? I I look forward to those kind of midseason matchups where you get to it. You can only infer so much from a December game, but you can start to infer some things. Just based on the histories and personalities of those teams, I definitely think the Clippers and Warriors will care. But this only works as a midseason checkup if if the Cavaliers care yeah. about the, this Raptors game. I'm not sure they do. They might. If they look like they do and Toronto wins, that means something. I don't think it means a ton, but it means something. Uh, but if the Cavs don't care, then it really just means nothing. Yeah, and, and part of this goes back to, look, LeBron went and, the honeymoon's over. We've got to get serious speech. But does that resonate in the locker room yet? I mean, J.R. Smith's been awful lately, um, and that's been part of their problem. He's just, he hasn't been able to hit the broadside of a barn. He's He's been playing like it's those Sunday day games when he was with the Knicks lately. And um, I don't know I don't know how long that lasts or if he just snaps out of it. I mean, this J.R. Smith and Streaky have, been, have gone together for years. I have a question for you. I was thinking about this the other day. Do you think the Cavs ever – reach the level where LeBron thought, yes, this team is locked in and focused and knows how to win deep in the playoffs. I'm not sure they ever did. I mean, they won, no. obviously, but I'm not sure they ever got to the point where LeBron felt like they were there. No, actually, I don't think he's... I'm not sure that he's fully confident that they're there either, just by not only what he said this week, but just, look, look they came back from 3-1 down in the finals they got some great play, but he carried a lot of that. I mean, let's make a right. mistake. Those three games were Kyrie hit the shot and all that. You're not going to find three better finals game performances than LeBron in those three finals games. He carried that. I'm not sure that he thinks this team is quite where he wants it to be or what he had in Miami, where he certainly carried a lot of load at times. But when they won the titles, they were really getting good quality team play. Oh, I'm sure they're not where he wants them to be right now. What I'm not sure of is if they ever were where he wanted them to be. Mm. Like, even during the finals last year. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they were, and it's just regressed. Uh, but I don't think he was necessarily ever content with yeah. with this group understanding how to win. And it could be even more dangerous now, because now they think they might know it. Yeah, they think they might know it. But they've got some games. They'll wake up. I'm Like, what is this? T- we'll see what kind of habits they are. What kind of, what kind of um, focus? Well, because they'll be focused on Christmas Day. You know, you get... You get the the Warriors at a game that everyone you know they'll they'll be up for that one. But have they developed the habits? And like you said, have they started to build? Because 
I think with the Warriors, you're seeing a team that is building good habits right now, generally. They're starting to now. That was the concern early was, yeah. hey, the way they're defending all these bad habits, when does this change? And they did change it. With the Cavs, it was the opposite. Because I did think they had, for the most part, good defensive habits and good habits offensively, too, early, realized they could do it, and then checked out. Yeah, and I think that that's part of the problem. They, they, they know what we know, which is if they're focused and healthy, there's nobody in the East who can beat them. And there might be teams in the West, but there's – there's nobody in the East right now. We'll, we'll see. I, it, at the end of the day, I don't know that anything else has changed in the East. We can talk about whether the Knicks or the Pacers or the Hawks or whoever gets the eighth seed. They'd be fodder in the first round. Before the season, we really talked about the East as, as far as playoff teams, as three tiers, which was tier one was the Cavs, tier two was the Raptors and Celtics, and and then tier three was seed like 4 through 11 or 12 or so, and that's really what it's ended up being. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Chicago's, uh, you know, put itself up right now as the, you know, the four seed. But is that sustainable for them? I think that you asked that, and, and you're not buying as much as I am, but it's a valid question. That's an, you know, they, they, again, they've already had the one Rajon Rondo moment. Wade's not young. What happens if they start to fade? So... We'll see. It's it's going to be a long season, but I think we've got a sense now of, of how the East is starting to shake out. Dan, thanks for joining us. Uh, everybody can find you on Twitter at? Dan Feldman NBA. You've been working on uh, anything you didn't tell me about you've got coming up? I might have a little something on Eric Gordon later this week. Ooh, that would be a good one. He's actually, that's a really interesting story, so that would be a, that would be a fun one. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back later this week with more Pro Basketball Talk podcast. You can, of course, find us on, and please subscribe on iTunes. We're easy to find there. Stitcher is a great app. We've been promoted there a few times, like with the Roland Lazenby uh, interview. It's a great app for your phone to organize the podcast you're listening to. I love it. I use it. Um, Of course, Audio Boom, where you can find our archive, plus all the NBC sports podcasts, and there are a bunch of them now, some really great ones out there. And, of course, you can find us at NBCSports.com. We will talk to you soon. Thanks. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.